0: week on Snap, we get to feature a collaboration with producer Brianna Breen from the Lucky Podcast. And Brianna brings us a story of one of Yugoslavia's top basketball players.
1: Since I was 13 years old, I was this tall, six foot three, and fell in love with a game of basketball. I played first division in Yugoslavia. That's like WNBA here in, uh, in America.
0: Her name is Nana Rothbard and in her country, she's widely regarded as one of the best players to step on the court.
1: Coaches said that I was one of the most talented players they, uh, the country ever had. I loved it so much I never wanted to leave. I played uh, all the way until I found out that I was pregnant and I remember that day we were warming up and I just couldn't feel right. It felt like somebody is pulling my legs down. I couldn't jump and then that week I found out I was uh, pregnant, so I, I didn't play of course. I didn't play after that.
0: Not A Story takes place in 1992, about five years after she left the league and opened her own law office. Now married and a mother of two, She's focused on building a future with her family. What Nada doesn't know is that the country she calls home is on the brink of collapse.
1: My husband and I, my two little kids, four and a half years old and five and a half years old, we lived with my in-laws. We were sitting at the dinner table and we started hearing unusual noises outside of the window. I looked through the window. It was an unbelievable amount of people walking from one side of the town towards downtown, hundreds of people yelling. It was uh, scary. And suddenly I I heard a gunshot in front of our balcony. It was a sound I've never heard before. My husband went through the door uh, immediately to see what's going on. And later on, on TV, we heard that that was a first victim of war. I I just said that that was a sound I've never heard before, and I just realized it's not true. Several months before war started, We would go to concerts on the top of the hill in Sarajevo. And my husband and I and my best friend, Aida, we are going up to catch a concert and we hear uh, gunshots, maybe a a street or two down. And we stopped. I don't remember who who said, oh, it's not in our street. So these things were happening slowly, gradually, to the point that you're able to say, oh, this is not in my street, I'm going to the concert. That night, my husband said, I don't think we will have war in Bosnia because the nationalities are so equal that nobody can win this war. At that time, Bosnia had three major nationalities, Serbs, Croats, and Muslims. Among all our friends, there was always Serbs, Muslims, Croats, and I'm Jewish. We had neighbors with all nationalities and religions. We were all friends. We celebrated everybody's holidays. My in-laws were Serbs, and I learned how to celebrate their Christmas. We felt nothing will ever divide us. First 10 days, maybe, we had a somewhat normal life. Shooting was only during the night. And during the day, we were going to to work. Kids were going out to play. My father called from Serbia, saying, pack your bags and run. I said, oh, don't worry, Dad. They're just shooting over our buildings. They're not shooting at us. And he... Being the only uh, Holocaust survivor in his family was terrified. He said to me, Nada, if you have any chance, pick up your kids and leave. I remember saying, they will stop in day or two. Everybody's saying they will stop. And I want to keep working in my office. He said to me, Nada, six million Jews died because they were holding on their offices, their stores, their lives, their houses, because they didn't know that something like this can happen. Who could know that? Who could predict something like this? But your entire family died in Auschwitz, so you know you don't repeat the same mistake. It took me at least 20 days to figure out that it's actually a war and some level, I thought, maybe somebody is shooting a movie about the war in my neighborhood. And I, I remember thinking, that's a pretty crazy thought. You, you know better. It's very hard to accept that your entire life is gone. Everything you ever worked for, learned, studied, accomplished, planned, it's absolutely gone. I went to work until one day I was all dressed up and ready to go. And and I remember grabbing the door handle. The biggest bomb exploded and it was in the in the middle of the day. And I remember stopping and saying, well, they will be okay if I, uh, if I'm, if I miss one day. And from that day, I, I, I wasn't going to work at all. Sarajevo was uh, divided by the river Miletska. Miletska was uh, a beautiful river that had bridges to connect us. When war started, Miljatska divided uh, the town in two. And I have never known before war that I lived in so-called Serbian part. So now I'm living in a Serbian side of the town, mountains that are on my side are sp- filled with Serbian tanks and soldiers. They're shooting across the river to the Muslim side of the town. Muslim side of the mountains are filled with with their soldiers and tanks, and they're shooting across the river. And one of the first victims was a little two-years-old that was sleeping in a crib. She was a Muslim little girl living in a Serbian side of the town, so Muslims killed her, hoping to kill somebody who is a Serb. It's just, it's just a representation of absolute nonsense of what happened and how these wars are absolute tragedy. The Serbs put a, an announcement, if you are a male... From this age to this age, maybe 16 to 68, something like that, you need to report to to join the army. As soon as my husband saw this, he came home, gave me 5,000 Deutsche Marks in cash. That was a huge amount of money for Yugoslavia at that time. And he says, I'm not going to join the army, I'm leaving. He didn't. Kiss the kids, he didn't hug and kiss me, he just left. I can just guess that it was too hard to say goodbye. I remember closing the door and saying, Now it's up to me. I have two old um, parents here, I have two little kids here, and I need to keep this together. If I can remember correctly, it's maybe a few days. Just a few days this things started getting worse and worse and worse. Um, Serbs surrounded every building and came with tanks and heavy ammunition. Some soldiers were holding these rockets on their shoulders, and when they shoot somewhere, that produces an amazing sound, and the whole building would shake many, many times. From the shaking, the building material would get all over the house, in our hair and skin. Very quickly figured out that the the safest thing to do is to cover all the windows and place the shelves with books and all the cushiony stuff from the sofas, mattresses, because the bullets and pieces of the bomb would be stuck in the fabric of the mattress and the layers of the books. Every time when we hear sirens, we would go down in basement and stay there until we feel we are safe to come up. Uh, Of course, if the bomb uh, explodes on top of our building, we would be all underneath. There was absolutely no safe place for us. The only thing we had as far as food is 100 kilos of sauerkraut, and we have uh, probably a case of oil. Every single day, I cut uh, sour cabbage and put a little olive oil as a salad and a little red paprika. Try eating this every day with absolutely nothing else. It's healthy, it's probiotic, but there's absolutely nothing in your stomach. One particular day, I experienced a horrible banging on the door. I opened the door, and I see 17 guys in front of me. I counted them all. The first guy standing in front of me is taller than me with a, with a line of uh, bullets across his shoulders and machine guns. I start assessing the situation, and the guy says, what's your name? So I said, Nada Rothbart. What's Rothbart? What last name is this? I said, it's mine. He wants to know, am I Serbian? He wants to know, is he going to kill me or not? What is he going to do?
0: You're listening to Snap Judgment, the lucky episode. In just a moment, find out what Nada decides when her decision means everything. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the lucky episode. And last we left Nada, she's standing in her doorway, facing down two soldiers, each armed to the teeth. One of the soldiers has a question.
1: He wants to know, am I Serbian? He wants to know, is he going to kill me or not? What is he going to do? just found the kindest and the warmest voice and I said, listen, gentlemen, we don't have anything here for you. He asked me immediately, where's your husband? I said, he's gone. So I opened the doors wide open, so I'm not hiding anything. And I said, we have here uh, my in-laws, they're old and, and sick in the bedroom. I have two little kids and me. There's nothing here really. And I just stood there and looked straight into his eyes. I gave him respect, and I stood my ground. Several long seconds of of silence, he says, "Okay, let's go, guys. And they turned around and left. Later, I heard. They they got into every apartment, they beat people up, they came to steal anything of value. One of the nights, being in a basement, my um, neighbor, who was at that time 60, really broke down, um, almost like a nervous breakdown, yelling at me, how dare you keep your kids here? (laughs) Everybody left with the small kids, and you stayed here with your little kids. I don't know why you're still here. But at that time, I didn't have any any way out. There was no way out. I had the deepest pain in the bottom of my stomach, really knowing that I kept my two precious sons in that situation, and I could have left earlier and I am responsible for their life or possibly death, Uh, it it was tearing me apart. I was convinced we are all going to be dead here. One morning, It was quiet, unusually quiet, and I opened the drawer in the living room and I found a transistor radio. I didn't know I owned one and I listened to the news. There was going to be a five-day ceasefire starting that day. From the experience, a ceasefire would happen except for it would last 20 minutes and then somebody would shoot and then war starts again. I said, let's go. my feet into the first shoes I found, I knew instinctively this is the place I will never come back again. So we walked out. My mother-in-law walked with us maybe for two minutes and um, she just said, well I will say goodbye. Her husband had a stroke for ten years and he was in bed. She was not going to leave him so we just briefly gave each other a hug. I didn't turn around to, to see her. There was no looking back. This is Yugoslavia as my hand. In the middle of the hand is Sarajevo. On the right side, more towards the north, is Serbia Novi Sad. We were going towards that direction going to my hometown when I saw a new formed barricade and around 50 to 60 women and kids. Kids crying and women yelling, "Um, I want to go. And So everybody heard on, on the radio there will be ceasefire and they're trying to go. So the army is stopping us and saying, who are you and where are you going? We are standing in the back of that line when suddenly one of the soldiers that appeared to be the main guy in that barricade uh, said, hey Nada, come here. Didn't know is it good or bad and I started walking to the front of the line and I come close to him and I recognize him. He's one of these faithful fans from my basketball years that... uh, meet you in a bus or on a street and says, oh, I watched your game last night, you played really well, and I would always politely thank him and stop and talk to him. Suddenly, he's in a uniform, and my life depends on what he's going to decide. We so, say, oh, I'm going to help you. Hey, buddy, come on over. Help this uh, woman and these kids go to. Where do you want to go? The first place I, I had in mind to go was Pale, a little village, Pale. If I made it there, there was no bombing there. It's on the top of the hill where actually a Serbian uh, authorities and a president were located at that time. So if I make it there, I could hope to survive. So now this guy shows up with a car, beat up car, full of ammunition, bombs, everything. He looks like bad news, but he was asked to help us. Kids started to cry immediately, and I said, uh, hey, don't worry about anything. This is a really good man. He's going to help us, and I made a crucial mistake. I gave him $100 worth of money to motivate him to help us. He took the money, which was at that time a yearly salary in Yugoslavia. He took the money, drove us literally around the corner of that building, opened the door and cast us out. Get out of here, you piece of dot, dot, dot. And we just got out. So no problems, no problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. My kids are screaming and crying, and I hug them and kissed them and kneel down. I said, everything will be okay. We'll be fine. So we kept going, walking, and suddenly there was a field full of women, uh, refugees, old women and women with kids, and unbelievable amount of uh, army trucks. Every truck was full. And I thought, I'm the luckiest person if I can get the permission to go in the back of the truck with my kids to get out of Sarajevo. And I uh, asked the driver, I said, is this okay if uh, my kids and I go up there? He looked at me and my beautiful kids and says, no ma'am, I will find something better for you. He walked me around and found me another truck. And I walked in the back of the truck, which was two-thirds of the truck were ammunition and food. And there was uh, six soldiers. I put Robert, the older son, on the farther side, the younger son, in my lap, hugging both of them so they have no contact with any soldiers. And we started our journey. I thought this is it, these people are going to drive us and we are going to be safe. After around 15 minutes, interrogation started. They started asking my kids questions. Uh, What are your names? What, What is your religious holiday? So I'm Jewish and I never taught them any of our holidays. I grew up playing basketball and not too much uh, in a religious world. They knew I was Jewish but that was not on the top of their head. We celebrated uh, their father's Serbian holidays and they started telling them the right answers because they were Serbian soldiers. We celebrate Christmas, we celebrate this, we celebrate that. They said, what is your grandma's name? What is your grandfather's name? They just went through all the questions, and I knew for sure that if we were Croats or Muslims, they would uh, kill us, and that would be the end of it. So uh, one of the last questions is, what's your father's name? My father's name is... Zoran Kaimakovich, and the soldier next to me says, Oh, I know him. He's the best friend of my neighbor. He's a really good guy. I said, Yes, yes, he is. And, um, and from that moment, the energy uh, relaxes. We arrive to Pale. It's a little village. I've never been at that village and they said, ma'am, where, where do you want me to drop you off? I said, I have no idea. And they dropped me off in front of the police station, and they left. I looked around, like a slow-motion camera, 360, several times. And I saw, a, like, a two football fields far away. A man, half an inch tall, going away. Kind of a, hmm something familiar. And I realized, oh, oh my God, my husband has a cousin here and I knew his name, his name was Misha. but how likely is that I see one guy in Pale and that's his, his cousin? I decided this must be Misha, and I started screaming his name. 10, 15, 20 times screaming. My yelling turned into a real screaming with tears because if I stop, I have no other idea what to do. After maybe 20 times, the person turned around, started running towards me. And when he was close enough, he says, Nada, is it you? He took me to his home. Um, Wow, clean house, hot shower, wonderful dinner that I couldn't eat. My kids ate the dinner, Wiener schnitzel and chicken soup and all these wonderful things. I couldn't believe that we used to eat this kind of food. But Pala never had war. Even though it's so close to Sarajevo, uh, we went outside uh, for a little bit to walk with kids in a little park that was very close. We let them swing in the swings. It was so surreal to me—the silence and my kids happy uh, in in the swings. We came home. She she made some crepes with uh, with chocolate. The boys were loving it. They were just, oh my goodness, all chocolate was around their faces, and they were so happy. So in my mind, I felt we made it, but I didn't say anything. I thought at that point that we saved our lives. I didn't know the war is happening all over Bosnia. I thought it's only in Sarajevo. And in my journey, I had to go further through the land of Bosnia to get to Serbia. Uh, Misha bought a tickets, a bus tickets for next day for 7 a.m. for us to go from Pale to Belgrade, capital of Serbia. I did manage to call my father from Pale and said, we are getting, uh, we are getting into that bus In the bus, there was only women and kids below the age of being recruited for the army. And we started our journey. That's usually five hours driving distance. I remember seeing villages bombed, whole village emptied. I saw uh, killed big animals like cows and horses on the edge of the road. Throughout that journey, we were stopped by at least thirteen very unusual group of men. Several of them had some kind of a army uniform, some of them didn't. They would come in and ID every single one of us and then they would leave. It would repeat over and over again. There was a grandma in front of me on the other side of the bus that was hiding um, a young teenager who would be uh, in that age bracket to join the army. And every time somebody stopped the bus and these weird characters walked in, he would go underneath the seat and she would cover him with a blanket. And I have a feeling it was for a reason that he was right there when where I was sitting. I would start talking to the guy and kind of uh, distract him to take him away from this boy. I never talked to the grandma, I never talked to this boy. Bus was absolutely full of passengers, nobody exchanged one word with each other. Several hours later, the bus stopped uh, again and there was a new Border in between Bo- Bosnia and Serbia. There was no border in between our republics before. So a little man-made kiosk and a soldier. He says, well, you need to turn around, go back to Sarajevo because Serbia, Serbia is not accepting refugees anymore. As soon as I heard that, I took my kids and I walked outside and the soldier said, what are you doing, ma'am? I said, I'm not a refugee. I am from Novi Sad, I'm going home. I'm not a refugee. And they both says, ma'am, go back to the bus. So it's war, so you don't, I mean, I tried. I tried not to go back to Sarajevo, wouldn't you? Go back to hell? I would, I would rather walk uh, for days than go back to get killed. five hours sitting in the bus and waiting. I hear the the driver turn on the engine and we left. I don't know why and who decided to let us go. So approaching to Belgrade, my father, he was waiting for probably six hours. We arrived and I saw him through the window. He saw me and he collapsed on the floor. And I picked up my kids, I walked outside. I said, Dad, why are you, um, why are you crying? I, um, I'm here. I was safe. He says, when the bus was late for hour, two hours, three hours, I went to the information uh, window, and I said, when is that bus coming from Pali that left at 7 a.m.? He says, I don't know. So what do you mean, I don't know? He said, well, the previous bus never arrived. What do you mean the previous bus never arrived? How, how, how come buses don't arrive? Where are they? He says, well, the, the groups of criminals in this mountains stopped the bus. The criminals knew if you're living your whole life and you can't carry anything, you can carry a little cash and a little jewelry. So they killed everybody in the bus to steal little valuables. When my father heard that he is the only person surviving um, Holocaust and his entire family, including his nine years old sister died in Auschwitz. Uh, he, just, he just couldn't handle this. He decided to stay there until I arrived. Even now I think about that, what, what did I do? to deserve to be on that other bus. How lucky I was. I think about this often. We we drove from Belgrade um, to Novi Sad. It's an hour and 15 minutes. Very soon we went to shower and to bed. My mom's and dad's apartment is very small, and we slept on the floor using the cushions from the sofa, and we would hug each other very close, and I noticed Ivan would climb underneath me in the middle of the night to feel safe. I wasn't able to sleep. I would go out to go for a walk, and my dad said, why are you going in the middle of the night? It's not safe. Of course it's safe, nobody is shooting and um, bombing me, so of course I can go to walk and smell the air and be outside and listen how silence feels.
0: Nada's husband made it out of Sarajevo safe and sound. He reunited with his family after 100 days apart on a train station platform in Budapest. That story came to us from producer Brianna Breen in the podcast Lucky. And you want to check out the Lucky podcast to listen to part two of Nada's incredible story, Find Out What Happened Next. There'll be a link on our website, snapjudgment.org. You can also see pictures of Nada's life before the war at snapjudgment.org. Org. Music in this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions, produced with help from Natasha Ruck and Tony Gannon. Special thanks as well to David Newsom, Tom Wurst, Robert Rothbard, and Nada Rothbard. Now, yeah, Glenn, Glenn, that was an amazing show. I wonder... I wonder where we can find more incredible Snap Judgment programming. Friends, have I got news for you. Stunning Snap Judgment episodes, including the Badlands, Fargo, Inside San Quentin with Ear Hustle, and the Senior Year Mixtape, where we follow behind a group of high school seniors for a full year and what we discover, Lord have mercy. All of this and more on the Snap Judgment podcast for free. Binge. But if you dig it, leave a review of Snap Judgment on the iTunes. If you don't dig it, please leave a review for This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Snap is produced by the team that always gets lucky, if you know what I mean. Everyone except for the Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. Smooth talking Pat Lucidi-Miller. Anna Camomile T. Sussman. Nancy Massage Ocean Lopez. Renzo, Simmons Clothes, Gorio, Satin, Shayna, Sheely, Liz, Burlap, Matt, Eliza Cotton Smith, Tail, Wild Honey Descartes. Adiza Bird Songs Mixtape Egan Leon with Queen Morimoto and Jasmine Aguilera, likes ice with her cream. And even though. This is not the news. No way it's just the news. In fact, you would hit every lottery number that the announcer calls out for the big prize, only to realize you're looking at last week's ticket. You would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PR.